Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Josh Moody on a journey of living and discovering authentic spirituality. When we're talking about authentic spirituality, we're not talking about merely a philosophy or worldview. There is a worldview that Christians have. We should get an increasingly more faithful biblical worldview. But it's not merely that, is it? It's a personal relationship with the living God. Josh Moody, next. Is Jesus the authentic spirituality as opposed to any other religious option? The answer lies in the Bible's teaching about how we can really know the Almighty God ourselves. Originally published about 20 years ago, Dr. Josh Moody's book, Authentic Spirituality, has been updated a bit and recently re-released. He's the pastor at College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, and a frequent speaker on Pilgrim Radio's teaching programs. Pastor Moody, tell us why you originally wrote Authentic Spirituality and the nature of the updates. Yeah, so it is It is an updated thing, and uh, there's a big new section on the church. I'll get to why uh, that seemed like it was important and worth the freight of the new book, uh, as well as some other um, more minor updates, um, uh, and the message itself. Uh, the, the, what drove me uh, to wrote it originally were really two streams. So the first was research that I was doing at Cambridge on the birthplace of secularization, and how uh, biblical Christians might be able to respond to that. Uh, I did that research beginning in my undergraduate and then later in my doctorate. And um, uh, for me, the real key, and I've been saying this for a long time, the real key is to understand uh, the Enlightenment uh, and the way in which the, uh, particularly the French philosophers, uh, uh, Rousseau and D'Alembert, essentially weaponized the uh, scientific revolution um, and gave it an anti-clerical, anti, um, really anti-Christian um, spin, um, particularly pushed through a series of, uh, uh, at the time, well-known writings, not just their books that we read now, but there was something called the Encyclopedia, uh, uh, which was um, a, a series of journals that were uh, written and very, very popular, pushed this kind of anti-clerical, anti-God agenda based upon sort of using Newton and the, and, the, and the new science. Anyway, so that was one stream. I was researching secularization. I wanted a good answer, and, and I thought I came up with some things. So I wrote a, a popular-level book about it. The other stream was a personal one. Um, so I did some uh, mission work in the former Soviet Union in the republics of Georgia and Azerbaijan. And then when I came back to Cambridge, uh, it seemed to me that something had changed in the culture, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was until one evening I was um, I've always done a fair amount of student evangelism I love to do that anytime I can get on a college campus I just I love it mm -hmm. and I was there at um, my college Emmanuel College Cambridge University Cambridge is you probably know is split up into many different colleges and I was in a, a Emmanuel what's name is Emma and Emmanuel has a particularly popular bar and um, it's large and students hang out in it. And we were there doing a question and answer apologetic 
um, on uh, the uh, biblical truth of Christianity. Frankly, the evening wasn't going that well. It was pretty loud. Uh, I didn't feel like we had a lot of attention until one moment when some in the audience, we, we had microphones sitting behind a table, some of the audience kind of rushed to the front, grabbed the microphone, turned it around to her, looked me in the face and said very loudly about the raucous din, so you believe in one God, right? And I sort of turned the microphone back around to me and just said, right. It's <laughs> 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 glad I got something across that evening. And, and then uh, she, she turned the mic back to her and said, so that means you think all the other gods are wrong, right? And I turned the microphone back to me and I thought, well, there's a lot about that that I would like to nuance in all sorts of different ways. Mm. But given the context, I just said, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was livid. You could see her face. Uh, and uh, she said to me, how can you be so arrogant? And I, th uh, it's like, huh, I'm making a truth claim um, and she's she's uh, imputing into that um, uh, sort of personal disposition. What that means is that any anyone who makes any kind of absolute truth claim must be uh, it's just uh, uh, unconscionable to do so. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, what that means is we live in an age of what some scholars call relativistic pluralism. So that that is not only are we aware there are many different gods, but we believe they're all basically the same. We're going many different paths up the mountain. And for anyone to claim anything different is to be the, the highest ethic today is tolerance, but it's a certain kind of tolerance. It's relativistic tolerance, which ironically is deeply intolerant. And we've seen the fruit of that on and on again. And so this book is attempting to present um, biblical Christianity as the authentic spirituality and uh, and arguing why that's the case. And uh, as I say, it's got a, a long uh, uh, extra section. That I put. I noticed when I went back through the book and was asked to do it again, um, that um, there was nothing in it on the church and uh which is pretty uh, i think mm -hmm. a significant lack given we're talking about authentic spirituality yeah obviously it needs to be worked out in community in the church the local church and so there's a section there about church at the end as well as well as updating other things but the main thing that struck me is when the book first came out i felt like it was a little ahead of the curve of where the christian world's consciousness was i was talking about postmodernism and relativistic pluralism and and uh, and all this sort of thing and it, the book did well but you could tell that people were having to go oh are, are there people out there who really think like this well now everyone knows people really think like this and i think the book is even more um uh relevant and timely uh it's kind of like in it's no no longer ahead of the curve it's right in on the mark right now so um yeah, so I hope I hope it will bless people when they read it and help them as we try to live out and explain authentic spirituality. Well, and as you as you explain authentic spirituality, at the same time, uh, early on in your book, you're you're contrasting it with uh, what you call three characteristics of our age, uh, a, a map of three lands, if you will, three mindsets, three ways of thinking, which are obviously are opposed to authentic mm. Christianity. C can you kind of briefly tell us what those are? Those are going to immediately seem familiar, that this is this is the land that we inhabit. <laughs> uh, once you get rid of the authority of a 
God who reveals himself and speaks through his word, then what happens is a fragmentation of spirituality. And it's important to observe that map of the, of the land that we live in. And uh, one of those uh, maps is a God where people, uh, a, a land where people say God does not exist. Uh, another, so that's atheism, of course. Um, but right side by side of that, so that isn't the, the neo-atheists and Dawkins and all that, it's definitely a dynamic that we need to think about and address and answer. Um, but that's not the only stream that's going on in our post-enlightenment world. There's also a land where um, gods are fashionable, spirituality is fashionable, um, maybe not religious institutions, uh, but um, spiritual but not religious. Uh, so that there's all that as well. And then there's just confusion. I think that's where a lot of people are at. Given these, these streams interacting with each other, it just leads to like, and I think the confusion leads to demotivation. Well, the lack of meaning, purpose. There's no ultimate goal and end, no telos, to use the Greek word. The purpose and our culture, uh, just in general, whether it's in the UK or whether here in the United States, is certainly comfortable as that young lady was a number of years ago that approached you in the in the bar at Cambridge. Comfortable <laughs> talking about spirituality as long as right. there are there are many gods or many different expressions of spirituality. Yeah. But when you say there's only one authentic one, all of a sudden, it, it's kind of upsetting <laughs> to most it's people. Upsetting. Yeah, and there's been um, uh, people think that if you make a truth claim, you are making a power claim. Mm. And that's related to the um, post-enlightenment Nietzschean environment in which we are in. If there is no truth uh, and someone makes a truth claim, the only reason why they can be doing so is to try and dominate create a market whereby their way of looking at life is the right one so they can dominate other people. So mm -hmm. if you make a truth claim, you can't really be making a truth claim. You must be making a power claim. And of course, that is, uh, uh, that's the root cause why we have so much fragmentation in society in America or England, because when there is no king, the people do, do as they see fit. When there is no truth, everyone does as they see fit and you have these warring factions you get the book of judges the spiral into increasing fragmentation going on and the only answer to that this is called the ministry that i started god-centered life the only answer to that is to bring god back into the center and have god as the king have god as our god mm -hmm. that's the only answer the answer to the book of judges is is ruth um, and David, and the real King David, which of course is Jesus, that's the answer. We're, we're in the time of judges, where the truth has been dissolved, the, everyone does whatever they want, believes whatever they want, lives however they want, and that seems attractive until you go on the streets of, I don't know, downtown Atlanta or something, or um, downtown LA, and you see people all wired up on whatever drug they're doing, trying to escape reality festering sores in the chaos of our inner cities and you say well, what's going on well the answer what's going on is that this is downstream of uh, a society where there isn't god god isn't the center because god is still god but he's been denied and so you get you get romans chapter one which is another picture of where we are we're sort of further down the stream of that 
descending impact of of denying God that you see in Romans chapter one. And the answer to that is Romans chapter three, the gospel. And so that's what we're all trying to do, isn't it? Trying to bring people back back to their senses. Uh, really. And that sounds like the title of your book, Authentic Spirituality, Rediscovering Real Biblical Faith, Finding God Without Losing Your Mind. And kind of to, to go right to a, one of the central messages in your book, there are quite a, quite a number of them, but one is you say, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is the foundation of authentic spirituality. Well, John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a thing to have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a monotheistic, uh, rapidly monotheistic society like Jesus's, uh, first century Israel, cool. um, I and the Father are one. You have to wrestle with that, like C.S. Lewis taught us in Mere Christianity. If someone to say that, they're either mad or they're bad, or, they're, or they are who they say they are, and you don't think he's insane, you don't think he's evil, you're left only with the other third option. I, I don't get into this book. I mean, the, the pushback that you get from some people on that argument these days is, well, there is a third option, which is the historicity of Jesus. And did he actually say that? And did he actually live how the Bible tells us he lived? I've got another book out there called How the Bible Can Change Your Life, which is a very short, accessible answer to that set of questions. But uh, yeah, uh, there, are, there are many different religions in the world. Um, but in a sense... This is going to be a courageous thing to say. <laughs> I think it's true. In a sense, there are really only two, aren't there? There's the religion of me. There's me worship mm-hmm. in all its very many different forms. And then there's the worship of the, the God who reveals himself to me. So, yeah. And, and the foundation of authentic spirituality is the gospel. That's a huge question. Um, mm-hmm. the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, th- that God revealed himself in Jesus. Yeah. I'm just pausing because I'm just thinking of the beauty of that. Um, I'm preaching on Ephesians chapter 1, mm. where Paul has this panoply of praise, one very long sentence from 3 to 14, which is all about God's eternal blessings given to us who believe and surmounting the pinnacle of that being uh, the redemption that comes through the blood of jesus his life and death and resurrection all this is part of his eternal heavenly purpose that is ours in christ it's an amazing thing to think this is all god's plan from the beginning every religion has to answer the question every person on the face of the planet has to answer the question was jesus who he said he was of course, Islam would say uh, he's just a prophet. And Buddhism would say he's another guru who's achieved enlightenment. I suppose Hinduism would say something similar. Uh, and But then you look at his life and what he claimed, you realize that he said more than that. So he won't, he won't allow us to come to that conclusion. That doesn't mean there aren't other insights from um, other philosophies and worldviews. Of course there are. We're made in the image of God. There are the shards of God's goodness scattered through even human brokenness throughout the world. There are many different insights uh, that you can find in all sorts of different cultures. And it's not like you have to spend your life in the in the evangelical Christian subculture bubble and never read anything else. I've certainly read all sorts of other things and mm-hmm. learned from them too. 
but the only really, I would say, the only really satisfying way to explain life is Quran Dei in the face of God in Jesus Christ. And in terms of true spirituality or authentic spirituality, Pastor Moody, you you say so much about it in your book, Authentic Spirituality, but uh, it obviously there's a knowledge of God. We have to understand what the Scripture teaches, how God reveals himself in the Scriptures, in Jesus. And you, you say there is a group of people, uh, many of us are familiar with the Puritans, that said we need not only that intellectual knowledge of God, but an experimental Mm. knowledge of God. What, what does that mean, to know God experimentally? Experimentally, yeah, it was a, a Puritan uh, phrase uh, that I suppose is roughly speaking equivalent to when we say experientially. Mm -hmm. So what they were saying was our knowledge of God should not only be intellectual or notional or cognitive or, ra or merely um, rational, it, it is uh, also to be emotive, uh, experienced, personal, to use Edwardian language, affectional, lose our affections. And, and the reason for that is when we're talking about authentic spirituality, we're not talking about merely a philosophy or worldview. Though Christianity, there is a worldview that Christians have and we should get an increasingly more faithful biblical worldview. But it's not merely that, is it? It's a personal relationship with the living God. And if I was to say, so it's, a, it's relational. So if I was to say um, about my wife that I had an understanding of her rationally, and, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't be a very, it wouldn't be a very full um, picture of what it meant to have a, covenant relationship with a spouse there's much more to it than that mm -hmm. same with that friendship and uh as jesus says uh, i call you friends uh, we're his loved ones and, and so i think it's easy for people and perhaps this is becoming less so in america than it was even when i first started ministering here about 20 so years ago but i think it's still the case there are many people in a country with such strong christian influence as america of course has wonderfully uh, who grow up grew up in the church and are familiar with Christian things, and it's easy to sort of leave it at that checkbox. I think Christianity is a good thing level, mm. uh, without actually saying, "Well, hold on." If Jesus is a real person, if by His Spirit I can meet Him now through His Word, if God is a living God, do I know Him? what would it be like to know him and, and then it and then so then that personal relational side of things i there, there are ways that we can talk around it the bible does of course describe that personal relational affectional side but then i i actually think it it is genuinely personal i might we or each of us have a relationship with the lord and he he speaks to me as his child and you as his child mm -hmm. and my devotional life I expect is not exactly the same as anyone else's because he's talking to me, which is an amazing thought too, isn't it? That the living God of the whole universe has a personal relationship with Josh Moody. I mean, it seems almost absurd when you think of the size of the universe. What is involved in that, in appropriating 
that relationship or in appropriating authentic spirituality. You made reference to the Word, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. For those that may be wondering, how do I, how do I get my hands on this, if you will? Yeah, so the, it's faith, isn't it? Uh, repentance and faith. Uh, faith is a, is a, a trust word in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, sometimes the Bible talks of the faith, which is the objective doctrine. But to receive the faith, you need faith, which is trust, which is the it's a relational word. So the way we know God is is through open hands, acceptance, uh, receptivity of His grace acknowledgement that we have nothing and we need him which is the repentance that we're failures and broken and sinful we need him and then to ask for his grace and mercy um and to do that at the beginning of our christian lives but to do it every day Um, to acknowledge before him every day I, i just um uh yesterday i had a full day and i acknowledged before him lord uh this is this is all too much for me but I trust your promise that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's faith, and then you, then you get on with your life. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, trusting Him. Uh, similarly, today I was thinking of you know, all these different things going on. I wonder what you're up to, Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Jeremiah twenty nine. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in the future. I know that's for God's people, not just for me personally. But I'm I'm one of God's people, so somewhere over it applies to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trust you with that, that you're sovereign over all this. And so it's for the beginning of the Christian life, that, uh, position, that, um, disposition of trust. And it's for every, every day too. You said, Pastor Moody, at the beginning that uh, one of the revisions or the updates that you made in your book, Authentic Spirituality, Rediscovering Real Biblical Faith, Finding God Without Losing Your Mind, had to do with the church and, and, and putting more of and emphasis there. Can you talk about that and, and what the role of the church is in authentic spirituality? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's quite interesting to me looking back to revise it. I, when I first wrote it, I was uh, on the team, on the pastoral team of a church. I was doing, uh, I was a college, uh, running a college ministry at a church, uh, but I wasn't the senior pastor of church. It's in, it was amazing to me looking back thinking, Josh, you didn't put anything about the church in this book. I mean, that's a significant lack when you talk about authentic spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've written other things on the church since, of course. Um, but to have authentic spirituality needs to be worked out in in relationship with the body of Christ. Jesus doesn't call us as um, solitary people. He calls us as a body. Uh, Jesus gave his life for the church and his, his the gathering of god's people the church is uh something that if we are members of the body of christ will be committed to and so in this book i lay out a vision for local church we often put spirituality and church at war with each other this church is institutional and spirituality is individual and i of course whenever you have a a group of people together that there has to be some sort of organizational framework to it if you've got 50 people in a room you have to decide who's going to sit where and who's going to open the doors and mm-hmm. so there's bound to be some of that but church is church is not 
just that. I mean, that, that's an inevitable reality of, of being human when you have a, a, a number of people together in the same place. But there's a mystical reality to church, the body of Christ, the gathering. Um, and uh, he, he dwells in the, in the presence of the praises of his people. Uh, we are the, the body of Christ, of whom he is the head. So that I had that vision of church. And then I also give some, I hope, helpful tools in it uh, about how to do church related to some of the things that we do here at uh, the church I pastor um, as well. So. I know I have to let you go here. I, I'm wondering for those that are listening and wondering, what does authentic spirituality look like in a life, in my life, or in someone else's life? In other words, we know we can't earn it. It's it's a gift, as you said. Uh, it, it, it's based upon faith in Christ, love of Christ, and yet there are uh, discernible things that, that, that happen in, in a life that is authentically spiritual. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So when we, if, if, our, if our relationship with God, if we have authentic spirituality, then it will lead to a gradually transformed life, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The work of the Spirit is to create uh, this fruitful life that essentially is a, is a, um, a lesser, uh, reflection of the person of Christ who's at work in us by his spirit in our own lives. Um, I've quoted C.S. Lewis once already, but as C.S. Lewis put it, we, we are to become little Jesuses in our lives. And, and, and that's, so as we receive him, then we increasingly become like him. And that's a lifelong journey. And one day we'll see him face to face. And I know it's a pastoral hope, but your hope for authentic spirituality? For everything I write, my hope is that uh, people will read it. <laughs> right. First uh, and foremost. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> yeah. Uh, people will read it. They will be helped by it, enjoy it. I think I, I'd like, I, I like uh, books that inspire and move. So uh, read it, be ben benefit from it, enjoy it, and of course, most of all, that God will be glorified. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Josh Moody, pastor of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, and author of Authentic Spirituality. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Lindy Langdon on the particulars of the new world newscasts which begin airing this week on Pilgrim Radio. I would challenge the uh, listeners on Pilgrim Radio to pray as they listen or to take a minute or two after hearing the three-minute newscast and, and pray through the news. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening. <laughs>